1: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
0: This oh did it again. <laughs> this week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Lexi Furness of Cleveland, Georgia. Lexi will get a marathon decal showing she watched twenty-six point two hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Law
2: You think you know who did it But you don't know who did it You think you know who did it But you don't know who did it You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order.
3: You think you know who did it, you think you know, it. you know who did it. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's no ordinary police procedural, no baby.
2: It's the F N O G of police procedural procedurals, baby. Law and Welcome
4: to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, filling in for Kevin Flynn, and we're celebrating the start of Season 5 of this podcast, breaking down episodes from either Criminal Intent, SVU, and Original Recipe. Before we look ahead, we'll revisit some highlights from Season 4, favorite rip-from-the-headlines cases, and the most WTF moments. It's a big year for the franchise. Thanks to Peacock, you can watch more of the Law & Order universe than you ever could before. On NBC, new episodes, new spin-offs, and the return of a classic character. But off-screen, there's been a real reckoning about police misconduct and the unequal application of justice. Many people are now asking, has our love for TV cop shows distorted our perception of policing in America? I'm going to have a discussion with my friend, Professor Marcia Chatlin about that. Stick around. This is a very special episode. But let's do what we do and ask our season four guests... Who are your favorite law and order detective teams?
5: Favorite law and order
4: detective team. I have to say
1: Briscoe and Curtis.
0: Uh, It's got to be Briscoe and Curtis.
3: I decided to go with uh, Olivia and Stabler. I was going to go in another direction, but I think Green and Fontana. But I'm kind of a traditionalist. It's a Briscoe, Logan. Stabler and Benson.
2: I have to say Benson
1: and Stabler.
0: Olivia and Stabler.
6: I, I liked some of the ones in this episode. I think Jesse L. Martin and um, and, and Lenny Briscoe. I'm- this is the 20th anniversary of Briscoe and Green.
1: I ultimately went with Briscoe and Green, which I don't know if you hear that too often.
4: <laughs> I loved Briscoe and Green because I'm basic, but I also super loved Lupo and Bernard the last season. This is like asking me to choose between my children. Um, I only have one child, but it's still <laughs> yeah, like that.
1: <laughs> It's very difficult. My favorite detective team is uh, uh, Jerry Orbach and uh, Benjamin Bratt, mm. I would wow. say. Goran and Eames.
6: Uh, Richard Belzer is shockingly way up there for me.
1: I have a very soft spot in my heart for Lupo and Bernard. It's iced tea and munch.
4: If there's one thing we love about Law & Order, it's that the plots can get crazy. And we've had some fun shaking our heads about the crazy situations our favorite cops get themselves into. We're going to listen now to some of our favorite WTF moments and weird tangents from season four with Stephen Pappas, Katie Mitchell, Isaac Butler, and Lonnie Diane Rich.
2: Okay, so there's uh, all these problems with identifying Pa based on who owned the house. Uh, And they bring in the elderly owner's son, And they try to accuse him of being the kidnapper. And he says, hey. I've never seen her
5: before. We found her chained up in your house. In your basement. It's not my house. I don't even like women. So what are you saying? You're gay? That's why my mother hates me.
2: I don't even like girls. I'm gay. (laughs) Well, I'm like, well, that proves it. Mm -hmm. You obviously couldn't be a kidnapper then. (laughs) Nope. There's no other reason why he would want to kidnap anybody. Okay. Then they want to talk to Auntie who is, like, babbling like a fool.
6: Pass she's our pumpkin pie. What? Thanksgiving,
2: bless uh, But they get their clue as to who Sissy might be because they say, she's their pumpkin pie. Mm. So I yeah, guess like, then this is the only girl who's ever been kidnapped on Thanksgiving ever. Yeah. <laughs> the holidays, most kidnappers do take the day off.
4: So. <laughs> they get double time. <laughs> they think They're they thankful work for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think my brain never registered that that's what that meant. Because <laughs> I think at this point I was just trying to understand what each of the kidnapping victims was trying to communicate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like being in a basement all that time has fried something in all of them. Mm,
4: as it should. But our teeth all look remarkably good for being locked in a yeah. basement for so long. I mean, really, there wasn't a single, you know, cavity in sight. It was pretty well, impressive.
2: He, he's not feeding them. That's why you don't need cavities. Wow. Oh, okay. okay. They've got quip.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I have one question. I don't know about you, but Kayla's story about getting kidnapped on Thanksgiving because she was like at her friend's house watching TV. Mm-hmm. Were either one of you guys allowed to leave your house on Thanksgiving to go to someone else's house no. and watch TV?
2: No, <laughs> never. <laughs> my mom like, you yeah. got TV here.
4: <laughs> You're gonna help me un- unbox the cranberry sauce.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Today's about family.
4: <laughs> Cut off those ridges. People don't know it came from a
2: can. <laughs> yeah. It's about family. Now go sit in the living room with your uncle and watch football <laughs> exactly. like a goddamn
1: American. <laughs> and don't you come in my kitchen. That was always mine. It was like, oh, today's about being together, but in different rooms.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do not touch the yams. (laughs) You wonder why people kill each other (laughs) on Thanksgiving. She was probably relieved she got kidnapped.
4: Listen, it's one less mouth to feed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She got home and her mom was like, you know, that plate went cold waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I left that but, out for a long time.
1: Just think about it, though. She got to enjoy Thanksgiving leftovers without <laughs> having to eat them the first time around. Right.
2: <laughs> I've kept this stuffing in the freezer for nine years, <laughs> waiting for this day. <laughs> I love, to. when they said, like, well, do you have anything of hers, like, f- you know, for DNA purposes? And, like... Well, they say they wouldn't need it until they found a body. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, well, give us your toothbrush now.
1: (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) I always want it to be a really weird answer when they ask a question like that. Yeah. Like, do you have anything for DNA purposes? Well, she lost a finger in a terrible accident. <laughs> We've got that in the freezer. Hold on, hold on. I'm get Move the stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Well,
4: speaking of DNA.
1: How is Kay affording her rent? You're you're exactly right about the handbags. I don't get it. How do you have a All whole right. shop sustained from fold-over clutches?
4: I assume she's getting alimony, right?
1: Sure. Probably, yeah.
4: However... Because Baby. I know you will care <laughs> about this, Katie. Can well, we please just for a second talk about her extremely green living room? The trim, the walls, all green everywhere. How can anyone live that way? It was like living inside of a pool table.
2: Or a weather screen. <laughs> I was, was, just had a I precious system coming in from the north. <laughs>
4: Maybe they wanted her living room to be green because they knew it would make her discount Saoirse Ronan Roran nanny feel more Mm -hmm. comfortable when she babysat at her house.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you want to talk about illegal immigrants. (laughs) Do we? Nothing about the Irish. (laughs) Do we? (laughs) (laughs) Miss Connolly had a very active social life. And you were stuck
3: babysitting till her mother rolled home? Once she was gone for three days, she came back looking like she smelled of drink and sex. She was a lonely, unhappy woman.
2: She came back smelling like sex and cigarettes.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she, liked, she smelled like a pub in Galway she was, on a Thursday. She was gone for
4: three days. Three that days. Poor little wee thing. Just left by her oh. mum.
2: Oh, she fucked everybody.
4: I didn't have anything else to do for those three days, so I just hung out, Sorry. eating some Lucky Charms. Such a part, apartment. <laughs> I painted it green.
2: <laughs> oh, that's where it came from.
4: Like my whole, bed. Uh, <laughs> my
2: whole she, bed she had the reddest hair. She did. She did, she did have the reddest hair. That actress hair. could have been from Georgia, they said, You're going to say it this way. You
4: are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: because no American citizen was going to watch that kid from No. Got to be an illegal Irishman. Oh, always. <laughs> but, always. Just <my laughs> <goodness. There's
1: laughs> so many running around.
2: I don't know why. I Took out my acoustic guitar all the time. Played her black velvet band. She went crazy. <laughs> she started cutting herself. She said, "If you're gonna sing rising of the moon one more fucking time, I'm gonna stroke out." <laughs> You've been saving this, haven't you? No, I'm just coming up with it now. Oh, this is good. <laughs> oh, I had to go to church seven times that day. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, The rosary, I rubbed it right down to nothing. (laughs) Nothing but a hub of plastic and a string. (laughs) Now, what the actual fuck with the Rotary Club of child molesters?
4: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) That's how it works, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to get the back room of the VFW hall, and we're going to roll out the the folding tables, and we're all going to sit around. It's catered. You know, they put the sterno things out and you have scoop yourself some manicotti and you start talking about all the young kids you had sex with. I prefer gymnastics. The girls are younger. The outfit's tighter. The Swedish
1: horse. Don't get me started. Don't <laughs> you, tell me about You it. were with that little redhead. What was her name? Astrid. Astrid, Astrid Brooks. Right. Sweet 16 and the hottest babe I'd ever had. <laughs> well, you know, Kevin, when you're going to kibitz with your fellow uh, child lovers, I believe yeah. they call themselves, you know, you need a little nosh.
4: it was basically like the worst episode of to catch a predator ever right so instead of like just getting one guy it's like put them all together in the room like the scooby squad
2: Right. right yeah
4: it was not subtle and nobody asked if anybody was a cop which you would think those guys would know to do
2: yeah, I'm going to point out a couple of things here about crimes that they overlooked. Mm. First of all, right, Karen was actually statutorily raped. Yes. They just said, yeah, let it cool off. They say that the, the granddaughter, she said, well, he never touched me just himself. And like, oh, there's no crime here. Like, Exposing yourself in front of a kid is a crime.
7: Right. Yeah. So,
2: okay, let that one right. Now they're like, hey, we got all these child pornography collectors, but unless they give us a name, we don't have anything on them. How about, how about you arrest them and go to the house- where all their child pornography is, it doesn't seem right. like you have to go the extra step of telling them, "Hey, who is your favorite bang?" You know, you just—it's like,
1: you know, the problem is Kevin that the lawyers working for the city of New York, quote, don't know my ass from Windows ninety five, <laughs> uh, and thus, cyberspace crimes are very tough to prosecute. If they had a prosecutor. Who knew their ass from Windows 95? Yeah. Uh, uh, perhaps they could prosecute some of these crimes. Well,
2: if they have a clue that something is off when they discover
5: Lauren's hiding place,
3: hmm. what CSU get in the car? Some
5: food: wheat bread, turkey, and tomatoes.
6: Doesn't sound like a hooker's chips and donuts.
5: We even found a plate, plastic knife and fork, and a rose.
2: Was she eating a sandwich with a fork and a knife?
1: (laughs) She's from Virginia. They're classy there.
2: (laughs) And a whole tomato? She
4: was like Peterman, you know, eating the M&Ms with the spoon.
1: (laughs) 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 In the backseat of a car. Exactly. (laughs) Because it's important. It's important to have standards, Rebecca, (laughs) when you're going through your
4: teenage crisis. I love that this park and ride is like Mm -hmm. the place where like runaways and like street people like break into cars to sleep it off it's like <laughs> why are people using that parking ride <laughs> <laughs> that's where you leave the car that you
7: stole
2: i came back from buffalo <laughs> and my window was busted out and there's sleeping beauty hooker in the back i'm sorry sleeping beauty <laughs> sex worker she, <laughs> <laughs> she has agency and it's a mateo
4: she has <laughs> agency and a rose <laughs> and a rose and a rose
2: she was picked to oh stay for the God. next week she was picked to stay for yeah. the next week yeah she was making
7: the place nice you know what environment matters mm. <laughs> little, little rose a little floral
2: every criminal Ropes. leaves his signature this time it was rose <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really if you go to the trouble getting a loaf of wheat bread yes. and a whole tomato yes. and you have <laughs> silverware where's the fucking
4: mayonnaise
2: <laughs> really it's, it's a dry sandwich I mean I think they even have it in packets Come I'd on. want to die too, to die too.
7: <laughs>
2: could have been our last meal
7: I suspect that it's miracle whip shame because oh. Oh, whip. people who like miracle whip don't like to talk about liking miracle whip because it's this big shaming
4: thing as it should so. be
2: <laughs> this shit is nasty <laughs>
4: The original Law & Order premiered on NBC 30 years ago this month. In that time, the three major franchises have hired 13,066 actors to play cops, perps, judges, lawyers, victims, and witnesses too busy to stop what they're doing to talk to a pair of murder cops. That means buried in there are a lot of hey, it's that guys and girls. And who doesn't love finding them? We talked with Lawrence Tucker, Lauren Milberger, Katie Mitchell, Tracy Ferguson, Diana Goodman, and Nick Capadice.
2: Do you recognize the actor who's playing Margot's attorney?
5: Streets are dangerous. Obviously, the child ran into someone who killed her.
4: Margot's attorney? Yeah. I
2: don't know if I do.
4: Why don't we even see? Oh, no, no, I don't. I don't.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's Jim Brocaccia. His claim to fame is that he's been in over 1,000 commercials. And he is, <laughs> Ready? The voice of Olive Garden. Oh,
4: <laughs> congratulations.
2: When you're here, your family. Soup, salad,
4: and breadsticks. Yes. You know what? I hear it now. I hear it. You do hear
1: it now, right? <laughs> it's a good time to remind everyone that the pasta pass is for sale here soon. So if you want that unlimited pasta for like 60 days, you better fork over that 100 bucks. Now,
2: does anyone recognize the diner owner?
4: What diner owner? What are you talking about? Oh, he
2: was really familiar. Yeah, when they went up say, yeah. Parents have a place about two miles away. I don't know why he'd be there now, though. Hunting season's over.
0: As soon as we came up to him, I went, oh, hello, New York character actor. (laughs) Which I mean, I know you can say for
7: anyone, but I was like, I think you've been in a lot of stuff.
2: I think you'd be wrong. That is Jeff Brooks. He is best known for playing BJ on Barty the dinosaur.
4: <laughs> you mean like that other dinosaur?
2: Yeah, you'll remember BJ is the yellow protoceratops with the Chuck Taylor high tops and the jaunty red baseball cap. Yeah, captain, whose so name was BJ? Saying. BJ, which
4: wasn't gross at all.
2: Yeah, he was the he was the body <laughs> actor. He's five foot six. Okay, so obviously you remember him from that
4: part. When he's wearing a mask and like a full body dinosaur costume.
2: He turned a certain way. He has
4: has to be in other things, right? It's very in right now to do that. Very social distancing.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was Kevin Pollack had this comedy bit about being the agent for the actor inside the Barney costume. <laughs> like Whatever <leverage> you had. <laughs> hey, only my guy can do that. <laughs> hey, who are you gonna get who can do this little thing with the arms, the short arms. <laughs> only my guy. Only my guy. It's our very special
3: guest star,
2: Ms. Rosanna Arquette. Yes. She's playing ex wife Kay Connolly, Emmy, and Golden Globe nominee.
3: I told him if he'd let the genie out of the bottle then he would destroy our marriage and that's
2: what he did. First of her two Law & Order appearances, Rebecca sing the song. What's that? Rosanna.
4: Oh, I can't. I can't. You can't, I have but no you know voice. the song
2: really was named after her.
1: It was? It was. The what Rosanna, exactly. Rosanna. Thank oh, you, yeah. Katie,
2: for backing me up. You're welcome. She was dating the uh, guitar player or bass player or something from Toto. and Really? Wrote to- no, yeah, she wasn't. She oh, was. Oh, funny. Yeah, oh, she's wow. got a really interesting uh, life. She lived with Peter Gabriel in England. Hmm. Don't you know somebody... Really? Rebecca
4: I do who visited Peter Gabriel's house in Bath yes yeah. Who my was it? father randomly became <gasps> friends with Peter Gabriel when he was living in England for a time and like went to his house in Bath and was like telling me about all the weird statuary and stuff that Peter Gabriel had
1: ah did he oh that's interesting yeah. and as expected
4: mm. he had like didgeridoo's and stuff like everywhere
2: <laughs> <gasps> Katie, you are learning so much weird stuff about Kevin and Rebecca. I know.
1: We're going to need to have an offline conversation about that. I'm very curious (laughs) about this. Does
2: anyone know who's playing Mayor Michael Bloomberg?
3: Oh,
5: (laughs) unfortunately, there has been much speculation and misinformation about this case.
3: That shows you how popular that show was, you know, for the mayor to be making a personal appearance. Yes. Yeah.
2: That is Michael R. Bloomberg, as he was listed in the credits. (laughs) That is his second law and order appearance. Uh, He was born on Valentine's Day, 1942. He was murdered by Elizabeth Warren in the first presidential debate. (laughs) so they had to cut some of his lines uh, like when he turned to Sutherland and said nice tits
4: no he didn't yeah (laughs) no he didn't that was the real life Michael Bloomberg not the fictional Michael Bloomberg (gasps)
3: because then he stopped
2: and frisked Van Buren
3: oh
4: stop it (laughs) but he probably would have.
2: (laughs) Who can uh, identify the actor playing Detective Ken Briscoe?
5: Death Sergeant just got a call uh, for a sex crimes detective at the 96th Street IRT. Why? Some guy molesting a dead body.
6: Oh, I'm guessing the name is a hint.
2: Yeah. That's Orbach Jr.? It's Chris Orbach, (gasps) the son of Jerry Orbach.
6: Their
3: son? That's so sweet.
2: Now, the character is Lenny's nephew, and to underline that point, in episode three of the series, uh, they have a crossover.
1: Uncle Lenny. Chad, yes. good to see you. Say hi to Eddie Green. Oh. Hey. Right. Listen, uh, cool it with the Uncle Lenny stuff around the station house,
5: okay? Yeah, so uh, what do you want me to call you? Well, just uh, call me Briscoe. Well, what are you going to call me? Briscoe.
2: So we don't see much of... Detective Ken Briscoe, Hmm. after the first season, of course, Jerry Orbach was still on Law and Order and had to kind of deal with the news when the bosses gave it to him, Uh, probably with some quip like, hmm, maybe the apple did fall far from the tree. (laughs) We also see someone before they were famous. Before they were famous! Who is playing the young friend of the victim? Her name is Myra.
4: I saw her face really quickly, and I thought it might be, um, (sighs) blonde... Curly hair. I, I I know who. I just it's definitely yeah. a before they're famous.
2: That's Merritt Weaver.
4: No kidding. Yes. Teresa
0: said they talked about doing it. He wanted to, but she was scared.
2: A young Merritt Weaver, two-time Emmy Award winner. This is the first of four Law and Order Universe appearances. Nick is shaking his head. She I don't know on, who she is. She was on Nurse Jackie, and she just recently appeared in the uh, amazing Netflix mini-series. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She's she's gonna get a third Emmy Emmy Emmy.
4: Award. She's so
2: wonderful. So her IMDb page says that she was conceived by a sperm donor.
4: Wow. How about that? Why would that be on someone's eye? That was my page? question. Why <laughs> Who is that? Would yeah. say, this, I want That's this That's all in my we got
2: <laughs> so far. She could kill Macbeth with a with a future like that. Yeah. Thing. And also, I mean this is a more interesting fact I thought. She attended Camp Kinderland, hmm. a socialist summer camp oh, my. where they sing pro labor camp songs. So she is she Jewish? I I believe so. Well this is I mean, like authentic like the Jewish yeah. summer camp. Socialist thing and, you you know, Pete Seeger sitting there with his guitar. That's
4: you know? right. Yeah, yeah.
2: But that's why her Emmys do not belong to her. They belong to all of us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs
6: I can't count the number of perps that we've collared with porn stashes that would make Jenna Jameson gag.
5: And that ain't easy.
6: Are you the most incompetent manager in the world? I mean, look, I don't expect uh, Assy McBink pants here to catch anybody, but...
5: Colombian devil's breath. Scam artists use it in Latin America to prey on people, get them to hand over their life safe. So what do you got?
2: 20 stab wounds and counting.
5: Well, if a thing's worth doing. And Chinese broccoli? Initials, CB. On pedophile message board, CB stands for child brides. It can also stand for Chinese broccoli.
3: You want to read my journal,
5: too?
1: No. You have a journal?
5: Unbelievable!
1: You call that being dominant? Show me.
5: Pull it! Pull it! Tell me how you like it!
1: I'm not on trial, sir, and I ask the
3: questions here.
6: I'm not the one who stabbed the captain with the pickle. Uh Uh-oh. What
4: happened to him? Technical term? Punched by a chick. And I can't believe I have pusillanimous pussyfooters on
0: my own staff ever since we came to be in our mother's womb we've been together it's still incest Twincest. what's wrong with you people just give me a minute turn the sun on
3: that flag has fringes on it which means it is a military flag which means this court is a military tribunal do you ever get a gay vibe from me is this because I'm a lesbian?
5: Hey, I'm going to get you ginger ale, right? This steak's going to give you indigestion.
3: Can we
6: make a rape case? Depends how retarded this girl is.
5: Crazy thing is, if you hadn't found the actual guy, this would have worked. Maybe I should call my attorney. Hey, you can call the sugar plum fairy for all we care. Well, you
0: could just stop being a jerk and tell me what the hell's going on with you.
5: You know, I'm
1: really sorry, Adam, but my helicopter's waiting.
0: I like you better with the stash.
1: Because you got a shoe fetish. Okay, she even took out a tampon before we did it. Where's the tampon? Killer ate it. My doctor.
6: You want to indict a guy because of a dessert?
5: Well, it is killer chocolate cake. The triangle thickens. We're authorized. So what do we do? Slip a Twinkie in their salad and see if they go into sugar shock? i will let you know how it turns out. Screw you. Screw you. No, that's enough.
1: Both of you. Yeah. Settle up because you're done. Settle up.
0: Believe that. My, what strong hands you have. You tell that to the
5: judge.
1: Come on out and get your beating, you skank! You've been sleeping with your own daughter.
0: This is going very well.
4: No, we never got Mariska or Ice-T to come on our show, but we've had our brushes with Law & Order fame. Here's Carolyn Payne, Laura Milberger, and Tracy Ferguson.
2: <laughs> you have a personal relationship with SVU, do you not?
4: Uh, I do,
7: yes. So uh, I, am, I am an actress, and uh, several years back, I uh, got cast in an episode of SVU. Um, I know. And then my like one line got, got cut, but, uh, oh. I am, I am in a scene. I do have like a good yell in there where I get to yell at Craig. Oh. And, but I had this <laughs> scene where I was in a bra with slut written across my chest as every, mm. every actress oh. on that show ends up doing, um, <laughs> seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, we were filming outside like late at night, like, you know, downtown and it was so cold and in between takes, uh Mariska Haggerty is so awesome in person. She actually took off her winter coat and like wrapped it around me uh, wow. at one point. I know. Over
2: your slut bra. Okay. Over my slut
7: bra, <laughs> yeah. And uh the director was like, all right, we're gonna do like three more takes of this and uh, she could tell, like, I mean, I was just freezing and, and, uh, she was so sweet. She like hit me on my butt to like pet me up to get me going. So nice. I have very fun. I was so impressed with her cause like she works incredibly long hours yeah. and, uh, you know, I just had a very, very small role and she was like so warm and she just has such great energy on set. So she was exactly the Olivia Benson that I wanted her to be in real life. And you got
2: cut, huh?
7: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And then I end up on a cutting room floor. But like uh, I said, I mean, I am in this scene with with uh, with Craig in, but uh, I hope you
2: got paid either way.
4: You do you do. Good,
2: but I mean, good. it's
4: just not the same amount of glory. <laughs> I really want Lauren to get an episode of SVU. It's all I can think about now is that she was called back twice and didn't get on. I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on that.
2: Yeah, I wonder, were you going to be a victim? Do you know which episodes
4: uh... you were called back for? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm derailing this whole thing. I can't stop thinking about the fact that you said that. You'd have to cut it out, but I can tell you. Um, <laughs> so there was a...
2: Yeah. Okay, so the point of the story is you got to work on your I found a dead body face.
4: <laughs> yes, I do. I
2: that
7: mean, that's okay. every episode, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they always have somebody like that.
4: Okay. <laughs> or, or my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I love him. So we have a guest on who was in the episode that we are talking about. Yes. Has it ever happened before?
2: No, it's never happened before.
4: Oh. Not for lack of trying. <laughs> wow. I feel privileged. This is amazing. Tell me everything. Did Did oh. Dennis Farina touch
3: your face? Really? Did he He did. up your he lip? He put his fingers in my mouth. Uh, it was a special moment. Our then he date. rolled um, you over naked. <laughs> he rolled me over. Oh, that roll. Oh my- now I'm super know. pissed yeah. that they called you a sturdy girl or whatever they
2: Rebecca. called you. not just them. <laughs>
4: She's built. He- no, they. They said, Kevin. They said, <laughs> girls built pretty solid. And I said, are they, okay. are they trying to say she's fat? And that is not okay. That is what I said. I'm going to
2: play a <laughs> montage of everything you've said about Tracy without knowing it was Tracy in this episode.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebecca, listen.
2: So tell us this experience because we have not had anyone uh, on who's who's done this before. This is a dream.
3: It was great. I, the audition was very simple because all I had to do was stand there, and uh, they had about fifteen people, and we stood in a line. And my dad was in the army, so he had taught me how to stand for a military parade. Uh-huh. So yeah, you you know you push your shoulders forward, up, back, drop them, and then you have this kind of solid stance. So I did that, and I and then I got the gig. You had to- <laughs> that was it. You had to pretend to
4: be her alive in order to play her. Dead? We, yes. <laughs> yeah. Just- they were
3: going to do this. They were going to do a couple of scenes and I had speaking, oh. um, I had lots of lines, but they decided I didn't get, to, no, I would have been really heartbroken if I had, we'd recorded this, taped the scenes and then they'd cut them. I would have been devastated, mm. but they actually didn't tape them because they, uh, they said that there was too much in the plot. You beat out 14
2: yes. other people to be the dead body. I
3: did. 14, guys.
4: So <laughs> I have a question, because they always do this, and I've always wanted to ask the actor who plays the dead body how this is done. So mm-hmm. they have, like, at some point, a photo of the victim that they, they're, like, showing. You know, they show it to the Tucker, young Tucker, and they mm-hmm. show it to the parents or whatever. So did you also have to do, like, a photo shoot day where you shot your own, <laughs> like, pretend headshot as this character and then also played the body?
3: Yes. <laughs> uh, I, had a whole, I had a whole day, and I... Ex- day to go in. I went over the period of about a week wow. and one, one was uh, uh, just a photography day. So I had to get back on the, <laughs> in the on the slab and uh, the photographer then sort of hovers over you because they have to sort of be right over your, your head ah. and they take the shot. But it takes, but you have to get back into makeup because I was bludgeoned and strangled. Mm. <laughs> That took a couple of hours each time. And uh, the makeup artist told me she used to be invited to the morgue, the city morgue, whenever a particularly gruesome <laughs> body would come in so that she could study injuries. Wow. And how to replicate, yeah, strangulation and bruising. Another question.
4: Because I have an mm-hmm. opportunity to ask. Mm-hmm. Is Jesse L. Martin super gorgeous in real life? Oh my God,
3: he's so beautiful. <laughs> How would she know
2: her eyes were closed the whole time?
3: Oh, not all the time, Kevin. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Our friend, Dr. Marcia Chatlin, is a historian, author, podcaster, and professor of African American studies at Georgetown. And she's a huge Law & Order fan. I asked her to join me for a difficult conversation about the show we love. So, Marsha, you know what the expression cancel culture means, right? Yes. Do you think it's time to cancel Law & Order?
6: Yes. It should have been canceled... <laughs> for kind of the content a long time ago, like if we're being <laughs> honest, and the quality of acting, including one particular prosecutor. But but really, I mean, <laughs> here's, here's how I feel about it. As someone who clearly has enjoyed making fun of Law and & Order and really likes true crime, I understand the kind of indulgent feelings of liking these silly shows or these shows that are a little salacious in content. But I think that culture can hit a tipping point where we start to see that these things aren't as innocuous as we want them to be. And we can start to see their impact. And so if we need to live in a world without law and order, and it means people are more discerning about the real justice system, I'm willing to give it up. So TV cops
4: are the heroes of shows like Law and Order. And some people say that's why we have you know, cognitive dissonance, like trouble believing that cops aren't usually or always the good guys. What do you think? Is it because cops have been the heroes of shows like Law &
6: Order? You know, I think it's a lot of reasons, but I don't think those shows help. I think they reinforce the idea that rule-breaking is worth it Mm. in order to secure a conviction. And Mm. so... I think that racism is usually the reason why people excuse poor behavior on the part of police. And then it's reinforced in these images where when police are wrong, they're doing it for some greater good. So I think they're kind of like they kind of like work together to create this culture that we're in.
4: But law and order very often frames the rogue cop like he'll break the rules because, you know, the system is broken and the broken system prevents justice from being (laughs)
6: served. (laughs) What do you think about that? So one of the things about law and order that is a little bit of a problem is that they'll expose that the system is broken, but brokenness is the fact that uh, criminal defendants can have lawyers. Like what they're <laughs> describing <laughs> as um, broken is often civil rights, you guys. So mm. I think that is part of the problem, right? It's about statutes of limitations, which can be problematic. It can be about um, you know procedural errors that can imperil prosecution. Yeah, those are challenges. But I often think that what they mark as problems is like evidence or <laughs> honesty or you know, like a culture that you're not supposed to course people into confessions or physically abuse them. So I feel like they don't really make it clear what the problem is that mm. they need to overcome in order to get the bad guys.
4: Another thing that gets murky, I think, is watching any Law & Order Universe episode that's older than a f- couple or a few years old. Yikes. A lot of like, yikes <laughs> moments of things the cops say, of the way they behave, of the way that they play with rights. I mean. Is it fair to use our current Black Lives Matter police reform sensibility when we watch these shows? Is it fair to judge them when they're 20 plus years old sometimes?
6: Well, I think this is what we can do. I think we can ask ourselves the question, what are some of the choices that wouldn't be made today? And what are some of the choices that linger that are still a problem? Mm. And so I am not... I'm actually a big fan of canceling people because some people just need to be put away. (laughs) But (laughs) when we think about our ability to consume a piece of culture that's outside of our times, I'm more concerned about whether or not people have the like proper education and understand the frame in which to look at it rather than saying, gosh, you know, law and order used to be so good because, you know, they used to really, you know, talk about how women are the problem or gay people shouldn't be in society. And then you're like, wait, wait, no, no, that's not why I want you to watch this. So I think that this is also a kind of larger educational issue because what I have found is that when I show maybe my students something that's problematic, Even if they are not able to see the problem in the moment, if I say, okay, we're going to take a step back and you have to understand that like this was during a time where domestic violence wasn't considered a problem, or this was Mm. a time where if a woman was sexually assaulted, someone would ask, you know, what were you wearing or have you had a sexual relationship with your assailant? And so when you take a step back and you tell them that, they'll be like, oh God, this was on TV. (laughs) <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think that's that's how it works. So mm. if we put law and order in mothballs and that meant that we would not have the current system of policing that we currently have, then I think that's a pretty good trade-off. That'd be awesome if all we needed to do was cancel Dick Wolf and we yeah. could get justice. I'd be like the first person to sign up for that.
4: But some people would say that maybe one outlier to this isn't this show, you know, as a body of work, but on the influence Law & Order SVU has had in particular in raising awareness around sexual assault, particularly among people the age of the students that you teach every day in the yeah. classroom. Do you think that this positive effect, uh, that we can say anything good about it, given the pantheon of yikes <laughs> moments that we're talking well, about over
6: the previous decades? Listen, you know my devotion to criminal intent. So yes. I would be a liar if I said that uh, I would, didn't love some aspects of law and order. I do think that, um, you know, SVU has been helpful in presenting a different frame around sexual assault and sexual violence. And Mariska Hargitay, I mean, God bless her. I mean, she's out here, like, trying to talk about, you know, evidence and talking about the importance of um, making sure that there's enough um, lab techs to clear old cases. Like, there's something really admirable about it. But again... I'm not entirely sure that this is the best vehicle for changing the lens on gender-based violence um, because it also operates in a universe where like you have the weird sexism about like, you know, Mercia's character, not having kids. And then Mm. you have Stabler who's the worst and who I think is a really – huge misogynist. And then you also have the other shenanigans, right? So again, I think that in framing the really important issue of sexual violence, the problem is it's put within a world where, well, police abuse is okay if you catch the rapist. And you're like, no.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And it's also okay to threaten the rapist with prison rape in almost every interrogation you do.
6: What are you doing? And there was that one very special episode where the rapist was raped in prison. And I think um, it made Benson be like, oh, yeah, I guess it's not cool to taunt people about the threat of sexual violence. But I don't mm. know if it ever stopped on the show. You no. know what episode I'm talking I,
4: about. I, I do know what episode you're talking about, but I, I still think it's something that they kind of like hint at now, you know, what What are they get, What are they going to do to guys like you when you get to prison? And I'm always like, yikes. So because there are so many cop shows on TV, some people say there's no way the public is ever going to be able to shut them off, turn their back on them. But the 1960s were filled with Westerns that went away after a reckoning about the plight of Native Americans, which was also when we saw the rise of the gritty police drama. (laughs) So what horrible thing is going to come next if we cancel all these cop (laughs) shows?
6: Well, I think that the energies get transferred. I think that's absolutely right. So I think that if we're going to see fewer and fewer cop shows, I think we're going to see um, more problematic attorney shows. I think we're going to get another LA law show, where it's people who are high minded civil rights attorneys who drink too much and are kind of awful people, right? (laughs) Like, I think that that might be kind of what the moment um, looks for. I mean, after how to get away with murder. I was hoping there'd be more like evil professor shows, but I don't think that really resonates with the public <laughs> as much as some of these other ones. But I think that um, these questions of kind of ethical application of rules will find another outlet, unfortunately.
4: Marsha, confession time. It's the pandemic. We all have the TV on all the time, even while we're doing our Zoom calls and working on other things. And I think people who say they aren't doing that are lying. So my question for you is, if you're surfing through the channels and you see an episode of Criminal Intent on, do you stop or do you keep going? Are you still watching, Marcia Chatlin?
6: So this is what I'm doing. This is such a good question. So I'll tell you, I'll I'll give a backstory and I'll tell you what I'm doing right now. So in 2014, I had just finished all the seasons of The Wire and my husband and I were trying to watch The Shield. And it was shortly after Michael Brown was killed. I could literally could not sit and watch it. It was so upsetting to me. And so I think that was the last time I watched like a prestige high cop drama. But the trash that is law and order, I keep on (laughs) returning to because I actually cannot take it seriously. But it's weird. I find criminal intent different. And this is what makes me problematic because they're talking about um, the intellectual pursuit of a challenge rather Mm. than Stabler like beating a suspect, but I'm still part of the problem. So I am less likely actually now to watch Criminal Intent because I think more and more about what that representation means, if not for kind of on the streets policing, but the problems that people then have when they go to trial and there's some asshole like myself who's been watching criminal intent all day. (laughs) And it's like, but didn't the detective solve the crime? Like, didn't he just like smell the breath of the, you know, deceased and figure out what it was. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is all so bad for America. So I've been a little bit of off of even criminal intent, which is a Hmm. lot considering my thing for Vincent and not for
4: you. (laughs) Hmm.
6: So I shouldn't
4: have named my dog Briscoe, is what you're saying. Maybe I should have named him Goran, but even if so, maybe I should change his name anyway.
6: <laughs> here's, here's the beauty of all of it. Like our problematic family members that we have to deal with um, at holidays, I think we can have an uneasy relationship with the things we used to enjoy and the things that used to animate us and then have a story to tell. But I would prefer your dog um, being named Briscoe. <laughs> than for you to expect every law enforcement officer to act like Frisco, <laughs> because that would be a problem.
4: That's a great point. Marcia Chatlin, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. These Are Their Stories Maybe a TV review podcast, but we're a true crime podcast too. Each installment, we dig into the true life story behind that crazy ass TV episode. Coming up are Mary Phillips, Sandy, Kelly Jones, and Aviv Rubenstein. It's time for Ripped from the
1: Headlines.
0: You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But
5: you don't know who did
1: it. You don't know who did it.
0: Ripped from the
5: Headlines. This episode takes its inspiration from the 1986 murder of Cara Knott. The family of the San Diego State Junior reported her missing after failing to arrive at her boyfriend's house. Her brother-in-law discovered her Volkswagen Beetle abandoned near a bridge on Interstate 15. Cara had been strangled and her body had been thrown over the side. A witness told investigators he saw Cara being pulled over by a police car before her murder. Fibres found in the car were traced to a particular source a California Highway Patrol uniform patch. Detectives turned their attention to California Highway Patrol's officer, Craig Pyre. The veteran cop had been working the night of the killing and had fresh scratches on his face. He also had altered entries in his patrol log around the time of the murder. A rope found in the boot of his squad car matched ligature marks around Kara's neck. After his arrest, several women reported having been pulled over by Pyre as he made sexual advances. After his first trial ended in a hung jury, he was found guilty of Carl Knott's murder in 1988. Craig Pyre is currently serving a 25 year to life sentence at the California Men's Colony. That's what it's called. Yeah.
4: Wow. That sounds very handmaid's tale. Good. Well, good.
2: (laughs) Good, good, good. He's there, yes. Uh, So, the the worst description given by a police officer about a victim ever, ever, I think, came in this case. A cop told uh, the newspaper that she looks like. Quote, "a frozen milky way that'd been slammed against the table." Jesus what? I, what the fuck are you saying, brother? How would you even know that? What, what a frozen <laughs> milky way. Looks,
4: Looks like What? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry It's so gross It's, it's so specific. It's so specific. Well, it wasn't not a Snickers? Are you sure?
2: I was, it was Well, I mean, too soon. It's 30 years later, but damn. <laughs> That is some stupid shit to say. Oh my god. Because oh. you realize people are gonna hear that. <laughs> what the hell? It could you could be well, she was thrown over the side and it was very tragic and it's a violent crime and she looked like a Milky Way. Frozen. Frozen, frozen, frozen Milky milk. Way. She looked like a butterfinger that had been hit by a rolling pan. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I god. guess you're-
4: I'm never gonna forget that in my whole life. I'm never eating a Milky Way again. <laughs> Please don't ruin paydays next. Just don't do Uh, it.
2: (laughs) you know how they zoned in on Pyre? How? NBC7 did a special report the next night on how women driving alone can stay safe. Hmm. And guess which police officer they did a ride along with? (gasps) Shut up. Absolutely. 100%. It was Pyre. That's how they knew he had the scratches on his face. He was all in the TV report.
0: Oh, Oh my
4: my God. Is he like one of these people that's like, of course I didn't do it. Otherwise, why would I have done this TV story about exactly that?
2: Well, you know, I was trying to think like... (laughs) Jesus
4: Christ, this guy.
2: It could be both because one of the things the other cop said is that he ended up really getting interested in the case and asking a lot of questions. Of course he did. So putting himself out... He did it. Well, yes. (laughs) Right, but that's a behavior that like profilers will say. Like, if you're, you know, you will want to know like a lot about what's going on, you'll insert yourself in the investigation. He did that. But it also sounds like that they just happened to pick him.
4: Yeah. Oh, so it's random. He hadn't, like, volunteered?
2: They said, you know, let's go get somebody who's in that area, works in that area. Let's get him in the police car with them. And it it was apparently him. And he's got to be saying, like, you're trying to cover your tracks. And the boss says, go out with this TV crew and tell them, like, how to not get raped and murdered. By you. By you. <laughs> exactly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Tip number one, stay away from me. Uh,
2: okay. That's it. You're good. <laughs> <End of> report. <laughs> Thank you for your service. SARS is back in the news. Today? Yes. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. China has a pneumonia outbreak that is very reminiscent of SARS. Mm. They're saying, no, it's something different. Um, well, that's comforting. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they were criticized about what kind of information they gave out mm. about the origins of the uh, the outbreak. They say 23 people died. Uh, world Health Organization says 8,000 people died around the world. Wow. Between Ooh. 2002 and 2004. Hmm. Yeah, this is a respiratory illness.
5: It is easy to catch.
2: Hmm. So. Let's go back to this
5: episode is inspired by the serial killer Jerry Brudos known as the shoe fetish slayer born in 1939 Brudos developed a fetish as a child for high heeled shoes and women's underwear he tried stealing his first grade teacher's shoes as a teen he'd attack women knock them unconscious and run off with their shoes. After spending time in an Oregon psychiatric hospital, Brudos married and fathered two children, but soon took to prowling the neighbourhood to steal shoes and panties. He strangled to death four women between 1968 and 1969. Among his victims was a 19-year-old door-to-door encyclopaedia saleswoman and a 23-year-old in a broken-down car. After the murders, Brudos would bring the bodies to his garage, dress up in women's clothes, rape and mutilate the corpses, then dump them in a nearby river. Police warned co-eds to be on the lookout for suspicious men. One woman reported Brudos had been calling her for a date. In his garage, investigators found copper wire which matched that used to tie the bodies. Brudos confessed and told detectives his disturbing tale. After nearly 40 years in the Oregon State Penitentiary, Jerry Brudos died in 2006. All right, so his first victim was
2: a 19-year-old encyclopedia saleswoman. Talking about knocking on the wrong door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was 1968. He lured her into the basement... While his family was upstairs, shut up, and killed her. Then, uh, he cut off her left foot, kept it in the freezer, and used it to model his shoes. Ah, oh. that's a real detail. Yeah. So this is
4: like the difference between like the 1960s and now. One of the many differences was that like you could just tell your wife to stay upstairs while you were murdering somebody in the basement.
2: <laughs> Honey, like- I'm busy. I'm working. <laughs> Sorry.
4: This is daddy's time.
2: That's right. Where did all these encyclopedias come from?
4: <laughs> and why are they covered with blood? Yeah, we have, <laughs>
2: we have Christmas covered. Yeah. Stay out of daddy's work area. Oh, God. Use a, a frozen foot and put it in the shoes. You got to be careful, though, with boots. You know how like when you like, got to fish out a sock? Yeah. I mean, it must be a lot harder with a foot. Yeah. So one of the victims was a strangled, she was a stranded motorist. Mm. Uh, he cut off her breast, oh made a God. mold of it, and then made a paperweight out of it.
4: Oh, my God. Look. I
1: feel like there's there's an easier way. I just feel like there's an easier way to do that, like, without <laughs> mutilation. You just, like, paper mache
2: or. It's a pretty simple shape.
4: Or just, like, look on Amazon for a breast-shaped paperweight. I'm sure they exist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, why not go the whole way and make an ashtray out of the vagina?
4: Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
2: That'd be a little place to.
4: Stop perch it. it.
1: Yeah, there's like a little... Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh. oh, I got there.
4: <laughs> Listen, I'm very sex positive. That all sounds great to me.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm not judging.
2: This is one of the most bizarre details, I think. Uh, Brudos abducted a woman from a parking lot and brought her to his uh, garage. He kept the body suspended in the air on pulleys so he could dress it up and have sex with it. And then later, he zapped the corpse with an electrical current to make it jump.
5: I got no strings to hold me down. (laughs) This episode tracks closely with the case of Dr. Cecil Jacobson. In the 1960s, he became the first American researcher to perform amniocentesis and later became the leader in the field of infertility, despite no formal training in the field. In the 1980s, Jacobson ran a fertility clinic in Virginia, specializing in women with difficult cases. While some of his patients did conceive... Others were merely tricked into thinking they had. The doctor prescribed large doses of HCG. It's a hormone produced naturally during pregnancy. The doctor told many patients they were pregnant and showed them a grainy ultrasound of what he said was their baby. But their tests were actually false positives caused by the HCG. Jacobson would later tell the women they had miscarried and begin the expensive treatments all over again. After suspicious patients sued... The feds charged him with perjury in the civil case. That's when investigators learned the clinic's sperm donor program didn't exist and that Jacobson was the likely father of 75 children.
6: Oh, my God.
5: He was sentenced to five years for mail and wire fraud. He surrendered his medical license but otherwise faced no consequences for inseminating his patients with his own sperm. Wow. Damn.
2: So experts say that when Jacobson was pointing on an ultrasound... What he was actually pointing to was fecal matter.
4: Oh. So can somebody
2: insert the proper joke here, please?
4: Hmm. That baby's a real piece of shit.
2: (laughs) Okay, there you go. (laughs) So this was his defense. Some of the women were pregnant. He thought the HCG dose was too low to create a false positive. He may have misread the ultrasounds. And that he used his own gentleman's relish. (laughs) (laughs) when a donor failed to show up and the patient's window was closing. Mm. So he didn't do it.
1: Uh, <laughs> he did wow. do it.
2: He did do it. Now, as far as the couple uh, where he substituted himself for the husband, he says it was a, his defense was it was a cross-contamination in the lab. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, really, how much chode nectar do you have to have <laughs> all over the table oh, that you would mix it up? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think you they really missed an opportunity in calling this episode Seed when they could have called it Chode Nectar, Kevin. They really missed out. Or Man Relish was the other the one. Gentleman's
2: Relish. <laughs> oh, God. Now, they should have known that this guy was full of shit because, again, true story, in the 1960s, and he never offered any scientific proof of this. He said he destroyed all of the, the evidence there, but he claims to have impregnated a male baboon (laughs) okay so it's true this guy's trouser gravy has been everywhere
6: (laughs) wow hi
4: i'm shannon and i'm chloe and we are mother daughter and hosts of crime and anxiety podcasts if you want to hear us break down true crime stories along with our anxiety over everyday situations be sure to tune in We'll have a new episode out each week covering anything from a true story behind a Lifetime movie to your generic everyday horror story. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next
0: time, you y'all stay, stay safe.
1: Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer.
0: Sling. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets.
5: Before the pandemic hit, 2020 was sure to be the big year for Dick Wolf. 30 years after Law & Order premiered, SVU had been renewed for three more seasons. Chris Maloney was set to bring Elliot Stabler back to TV in a new show. And after years of negotiations and jigsaw puzzle syndication deals, Wolf sold the streaming rights to his library of shows to Peacock in a deal that would make him a billionaire. But what couldn't have been predicted was a cultural shift tearing down the facade of infallibility of the police and the uneven application of justice when it comes to people of colour. Critics have said it's time to examine the role police fiction has on our perspective of police fact. Law and order is frequently cited. We may as well ask too is it defensible to still enjoy law and order? Kevin and Rebecca try to point out instances when our fictional detectives and prosecutors act in ways that violate the rights of the people they encounter and they make us laugh at it because it's laughable illegal searches coercive interrogations incredible twists of case law to charge people with crimes of course it's not a law class it's a murder mystery for our entertainment but has a disservice been done have we made such heroes of our tv cops that we can no longer believe in the failings of the real ones the experience is different for black and brown people But if your only interaction with the police is watching the telly, yes, it's possible to believe that's how justice is applied in America. We can't lay all the blame at the feet of law and order. And you can't weigh the scales without acknowledging the good that SVU has done in changing our perception of sexual assault, how it's reported and how it's prosecuted. So here's the question. Can we enjoy law and order despite its moral flaws? It's an answer you need to decide for yourself. It's probably best to watch in a more critical way and identify the problematic elements of the stories. Stabler's Coercions, McCoy's Pursuit of Convictions Over Truth, Goran's Wild Investigative Assumptions, SVU resumes production in New York this month. Dick Wolf told Forbes he'll have more people of colour in the writer's room across all of his shows, and there are seven of his shows on with two more coming. He promises SVU will tackle police brutality head-on and they'll bring back hot-headed, quick-firing Elliot Stabler. But according to a press release, as a changed man. The article ends with the billionaire saying, you can look at the entire Wolf Library and not find one episode that's been on the wrong side of history. Maybe. But dotted through those 1,132 episodes are instances of uncomfortable stereotyping, derision of, quote, trannies and crack the N-word, rape not really being rape, Fabricated arrests, misapplication of criminal law, threatening suspects with prison rape, wrongful convictions of no consequence and a metric tonne of cases that would be overturned on appeal for basic constitutional violations. If Dick's word is correct and there aren't any episodes on the wrong side of history, there are a lot of them which walk right up to the line.
4: That's going to do it for us. You can tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader for Rip From The Headlines is Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Additional music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. To get ad free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the Elite Squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. Go to LawAndOrderPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media.
2: Partners in crime Media. hey wash your hands
0: whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day eggs are a staple in our diets eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25 percent less saturated fat